Thank you, thank you. Yes. <laughs> After that introduction, I got to take a sip of water. Hold on. <laughs> Man, God is good. That is awesome. I'm so excited to hear. It, you know, your, your, what you spoke just brought confirmation um, to me because God is getting ready to do some awesome things. And all it takes is uh, faith the size of a mustard seed. That's it. I'm telling you, friends, he's stirring some things. He's doing some things. Our greatest days are still ahead of us. They're still ahead of us. And so we've been through some trials. Amen. We've been through some stuff these last few years. And I believe that this series is so pivotal to where he is going to move us that we're getting ready to enter into. So we're starting a new series today called Standing on Truth. Oh, that's the sermon title. Yeah, Truth to Stand On. And me being the dyslexic genius that I am, titled my sermon today, Standing on the Truth. Thank you, buddy. Someone heard that joke. It's true, though. I really am a dyslexic genius. So <laughs> standing on the truth. Let's bow our heads and pray, okay? Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are good I thank you, Jesus, that you are a good God, that you are still the God that owns a cattle on a thousand hills, Lord. You are able to provide for your kingdom. God, I thank you when the church thrives the best is when we are underneath trouble and trials and persecution. And God, you are refining the American church again. You are refining the American church again. And God, I thank you that when we come through this refinement, Lord, we will be more pure. We will be godlier, Lord Jesus. We will be, we will be tested and true, Lord Jesus. God, I pray during this next month as we dig in deep to doctrine, Lord, that we would know what we believe, that we would stand on your truth against a culture that tells us we're ignorant, Lord, against a culture that tells us this does not apply to us today. God, that we would still stand on your truth. And God, that you would defend your truth. And God, that you would help us live your truth. And God, I thank you that your word says that the truth sets us free. So I pray for freedom in this house today. Open our minds to your, your truth. Open our hearts to your truth that we would believe it in our mind and that we would walk it out by faith. Because you are good and you're looking for people that even at the age of 70 will get on a mule to preach your gospel. That will not shrink back. And God, your gospel needs preached here in Waterville as much as it does in other countries. Your, your gospel needs preached in our school systems that are failing. Your gospel needs preached in our businesses of people who are hurting. God, mental illness is running rampant in our country because we have prioritized busyness over being in your presence. And God, I pray that you would change us. And that let, let it start here in the house of God. Let it start here in my heart, in our hearts together, that we will say, we're going to stand on your truth. And we're going to believe for freedom because your truth sets us free in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm sorry I got a little fired up, but whoo, God is good. So we're starting this series, and this series is going to be based in the next four weeks. We're going to go over um, fundamental doctrines. I know we don't like the word fundamental anymore, but it, it's we have to sometimes get back to the basics, get back to the fundamentals. 
And today, we're going to talk about the word of God. Right now, the, the Bible, the scriptures have been under attack in our culture. And what, what concerns me more, because this is, I don't expect the culture to be saved. I don't expect them to be saved until we bring the gospel to them and they have a choice to receive it. What I mean by that is I don't expect the culture of our society to act like the church. But I do expect the church to act like the church. And what concerns me is that people who say that they are Christians no longer believe the word of God. <clears throat> That's concerning to me. And friends, I believe that we live now in a generation of more biblically illiterate people than ever before in America. Even the church. I can't tell you how many people I've talked to who, who have been in the church for years who've never even read their Bible through. And this is not to shame anybody. But this is to encourage you that, that when I speak the word, when, you're, when my husband speaks the word, when any person gets up here and speaks the word, you need to get into the word to make sure what, there's, what we're speaking is true. And we're going to get into that in a moment. I'm getting ahead of myself because I'm so excited. But friends, the word of God is true. And let's, let's break down this awesome Bible of ours for just a second. I'm going to give you a few quick facts. You ready for a, a few quick facts? The, the, the word of God contains 66 books uh, in it, 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament. If you grew up in the Assemblies of God and did any kind of um, Bible, Bible, Bible quiz, thank you, that's the word I'm looking for, that was one of the lessons. According to BibleStudy.org, 100 million Bibles are sold each year worldwide. Isn't that something? The New York confirms the New Yorker confirms that this is still the best-selling book in history. It outsells all other books, get this, yearly. Yearly. Ain't that something? Mm-hmm. The Bible was written over uh, 1,500 years ago from 14 B.C. to 100 A.D., over 40 generations, over 40 authors from many walks of life. You got kings, peasants, philosophers, fishermen, poets, politicians, scholars. How cool is that? God can use them all. In different places, from the wilderness to the dungeon to palaces, the Bible was written. In different times, times of war, times of peace, in, in different moods, heights of joy, depths of despair, on three continents, in Asia, Africa, and Europe, in three languages, Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek, God is still a God that wants to reach all people. I don't know about you, but that makes it even more appealing to me. See, the Bible has inspired more great works of literature than any other, any other book. The Bible is the world's greatest, it's inspired the world's greatest artist. Come on, still to this day, the world's greatest artists have been inspired by the Bible. And the, the world's greatest composers inspired by the Bible. The greatest inspiration found in the Bible, though, friends, out of all these things is the revelation of Jesus. Amen. From the very beginning, from Genesis, the revelation of Jesus, that he was the lamb who was slain from the beginning of time to take away the sin of the world. The revelation of Jesus that we, that, that, and we're going to get in this 
Um, in a couple of weeks, we're going to talk about salvation of man, or fall of man and salvation of man. So I don't want to get into it too much right now. But Jesus can be found on every single page of the Bible. But this is what, what it takes, friends. Church, it takes faith to receive the word of God. It takes faith to receive the word, word of God. Yes, we should study it. We should examine it. I'm going to get on there in a, in a moment here. But it takes faith. Today, I want to break down one of our fundamental truths as an assembly of God believers because doctrine matters and we should know what we believe. And it's this. I'm, I'm, the scripture, both Old and New Testament, are verbally inspired. Say inspired. By God and are the revelation of God to man, the infallible, authoritative rule of faith and conduct. So I'm going to break down just a few of these words here. Number one, inspired. The scripture explains what it means to be inspired by three scriptures. I'm going to read these. These are foundational. I'm reading it from the NIV 1984. You can't find that online. That's old school. Okay. First Thessalonians 2.13. And we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but as it is the word of God, which is at work in you who believe. Who's it at work in? Those who believe, believers. Second Peter 1.21 says, for prophecy never had its origin in the will of man. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Come on, somebody. 2 Timothy 3, 5 through 17. And how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures. Come on, church kids up in here. Can I get an amen? <laughs> Which are able to make you wise for salvation through what? Faith in Christ Jesus all scripture, how, how much? One half of it, 27 of the, the 66 books, 39, all scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking. Oh, Lord. I got one of those this week. That's okay. That's okay. God loves me. And the person who rebuked me loves me. We also have to get that from time to time. I'm talking a spiritual spanking that I have not received since I was in my 20s. I mean, I still have the handprints probably on my behind. But I'm telling you, I have walked in humility because I was humbled. <laughs> and let's choose to walk in humility before we get humbled. But friends, God loves, he disciplines those he loves. He disciplines those he loves. Come on. So it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Man, we need that again in the word. We need that again. We need training in the church again so that people could be equipped. Right? Oh, here it is. So that the man of God may be thoroughly what? Equipped for every good work. I don't know about you, but I want some inspiration. I one time when I uh, was a early pastor probably I don't even know if I was quite I, half the Hester kids weren't even born yet yeah I'm looking at y'all so pay attention half the Hester kids weren't even born yet and I had a lady um she came to me and she said I need a word from God yeah she wanted a word from God she wanted me to prophesy to her I guess <laughs> and I believe in prophecy and I believe God can give me a prophetic word 
I believe in the full gifts. I, I do not believe in cessationalism, which means that the gifts of the Spirit have ceased with the apostles. I believe that the gifts of the Spirit are still available to all believers. But this woman wanted a prophetic word to justify her behavior, which was sinful. And so I said to her and my young, youthful, very empathetic self, I grabbed my 1984 NIV Bible, study Bible. It was really thick. I, I would have brought it, but it's literally falling apart. I need, a upgrade. I, need a, I need a new Bible. And I put it down right there. I said, here's your word. Here's your word. It's going to tell you the same thing I just told you, that you're not married to the man that you're living with and that you want to continue to live with him and continue to have married relations, <laughs> then you need to get married. That's what the word of God says. Listen, friends, the word of God gives us instructions, and sometimes it's hard to follow the instructions, and it's not to make our life miserable. It's to protect us from what can come from those hard decisions. Come on, somebody. I just, ha I have, I have a little dog and I love him to pieces. His name is Talent. He's not even, he'll be a year very soon. He was born on Thanksgiving. We wanted to call him like drumstick or something, but the family couldn't, couldn't agree. So we called him Talent after the parable of the talents because God is about to bless the Hester family. And he was the, he, he, he that's a sign of wonder that dog, that dog is a good dog. He always stays with us. He's a, um, Australia, a miniature Australian Labradoodle. And he usually stays with us. But this week has been extra busy. Matter of fact, one day this week, my 11-year-old threw himself on the ground and he cried and he said, I need 48 hours in the day. 24 is not enough. And I have never felt anything so much in my life. You know what I'm saying? I, I mean, I couldn't even be mad at him anymore. I just stood up and I said, man, I, I mean, I just, that's so relatable, you know? We get one extra hour this week, sort of. Like, <laughs> that's as good as it gets. But he's... This is the thing. So we have this time that we have to steward and we have to manage. And so God gave me this, this dog named Talent to remind me this. And this dog is a good dog and he usually stays with me. But because I needed 48 hours that week per day, just like my son did, he didn't really get very many walks like he normally does. I had a, I, I had a very limited week and he didn't get very many walks. So I came home yesterday, opened up the gate, and my dog never does this. He went, Whoa. and I'm like, bro, you are. No, you are not a hood dog. You cannot be running these streets, right? Like, Lord, God is going to move us one day. And I'm like, you are not a hood dog. You can't run these streets. But he just, he doesn't mean a strange. So he's running the streets, met a hood dog with a brother named Malachi, which I was like, your name's Malachi. It's my favorite prophet. Like one of my favorite prophets in the Bible. And I was talking to him. Thank God for this awesome young man who walked his well-behaved dog, way better behaved than my dog back to my backyard so that my dog can come back to the backyard following this dog. <laughs> and I'm sharing that story with you today to tell you it's so easy to want to go our own way. That's why the Lord has placed authorities in our life to protect us. And the authority, the main authority comes from the word of God. I, it's not because I'm trying to make talent just like not live his best life. That's why I'm keeping him in my little privacy fits. No, I'm trying to protect him for the big bad hood dogs out there that want to eat him. Or the car driving down the street that ain't paying attention to my little miniature labradoodle that's just going around with no sense. You know what I'm saying? I'm trying to protect him. The word of God is there, placed there to 
still it's not because he doesn't want us to have nice things. It's because he doesn't want us to get, go to jail for not earning those nice things. <laughs> when the word of God tells us to not commit adultery, it's not because he doesn't want us to just go out and just go by every instinct. No, he wants us to control our instincts to be committed to one man or if you're a woman or one woman if you're a man. And he wants us to be faithful to our spouse. My husband um, one day wasn't answering the phone because, <laughs> yeah, I'm about, y'all, I'm about to get to the main point here real soon. I need to, I need to move on. Yeah, I'm going to tell this story. This man wasn't answering the phone, right? And he, that's, well, that's not unusual. He doesn't, he does that often. But, but usually when he does that, we know what's going on. We had a miscommunication. I thought he was picking up the kids from school. He thought I was picking up the kids from school. I'm looking at Life 360. I see he's over, over where I, you know, Megan and Scott got a house over there. I'm thinking he's over there, but he was, I didn't know what he was doing. I called up my, my, my college-age son and my daughter. I'm like, usually my college-age son is always busy. I'm like, can you go get Jubilee? She's going to be late. I'm worried. I don't know what's going on with your dad. First, I'm thinking maybe he got in a car accident. Maybe somebody like pulled him over or, and somehow and maybe someone's trying to rob him. I'm thinking all this, I mean, crazy stuff. I said, oh, this man better not be cheating on me after 20 something. I don't know. That thought has not gone through my head, friends. I, I'm serious. That thought has not gone through my head since like the first five years of marriage. Okay, I did the first five years. But it has not gone through in at least 15 years. I, I mean, he never does anything to make me believe that, but it was the devil. That thought went through my head. The oldest two kids knew that thought went through my head. And apparently they were having a conversation that if dad messed up in his older years, they would not believe in true love anymore. <laughs> He didn't mess up in his older years. He was helping out an elderly lady that goes to our South Toledo campus. Okay. But that story reminded me of the importance of marriage that my kids said, said my oldest two kids, my 19 year old and my 16 year old said they wouldn't believe in true love anymore. This is why God has parameters in the Bible to keep us holy. Because it doesn't just affect us. I preached a couple of weeks ago that sin doesn't just affect you, right? Aiken's sin didn't just affect him. It affected his entire family and entire community. That's why we need to watch our life and our doctrine closely. So that after preaching to others that ourselves, that we ourselves will, will still be saved, okay? And so infallible, where it talks about that, that means perfect, foolproof, reliable, dependable, flawless. The authoritative rule means respected and trustworthy. His word is respected. It is trustworthy. We can hold on to it. The authoritative rule, it means that the scripture is God breathed and God's revelation of himself to man. And it should be what we govern our life with. Do you get me friends? That is how we should live our life is what the word of God says. So if we truly believe that the scripture, both old and new Testament are the verbally inspired uh, word of God, his revelation to man, it's infallible, authoritative rule of faith and conduct. Then how do we stand on the word of God? Then how do we do it? Number one, by proper examination. If you're taking notes, it's going to be ease today, friends. Proper examination. This passage that I'm going to hit here is Acts 17. I'm not going to hit it all, but I want you to go back and read it all because <laughs> proper examination, the first rule of exegesis is studying the scripture in its context, context, okay? So 
Acts 17, 11 is going to be this main passage, but I want you to go back, and I'm going to hit some of it, but I want you to go back and read it, and I want you to go forward and read it, okay? So read the verses in front of it and behind it, okay? Acts 17, 11 says, now these Jews were more noble than the Thessalonica. I practice this word. Those in Thessalonica. Thessalonica. There we go. They received the word with all eagerness examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. I was going to add another point, but it was too late. To properly receive the word of God, we need eagerness. I'll just add that one in real quick. We need to be excited about the word of God. Sometimes we go to church like, oh, I got to wake up and go to church. This should be the best day of the week. Y'all get to come here and see God and me. Come on. once a month. Are you kidding me? I got people saying, well, why can't we add a midweek? And why can't we add more of this? I can't even get most of y'all here on Sundays. You want me to work harder, but come on, I need you to partner with me here. Okay. There we go. I let that one out, but I put it in anyway, because I love y'all. Okay. We need to have, we need to be excited for the word and we need to properly examine. So here he is, the Bereans, they eagerly examine the scriptures daily to see if these things were so, daily. So I'm in a class right now called hermeneutics. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh, this class is kicking my butt. And you would think someone who has preached, because hermeneutics means studying the word. Proper exegesis means explaining the word. They go together. Okay, you got to properly study the word, and then you got to properly be able to break it down, okay? You would think someone who has preached 20 plus years of their life when this class won't kick my butt so much. But Doc Johnson, I love him. He's my favorite teacher and he's making sure that I am learning. I'm getting an education. Okay. So the cool thing about this with hermeneutics though, is it, it really deal is a branch of knowledge that deals with the interpretation, especially of the Bible and literary text here is how to study and examine the Bible. Hermeneutics is the theories and the methods for studying the text. A lot uh, of what I'm about to share with you came from my class from Doc Johnson. I'm just going to read just a couple little things here. Um, every reader is an interpreter. So when, when we're studying the scripture, every reader is an interpreter. We tend to think that our interpretation is maybe the same as the Holy Spirit's or the author's. And so that's why we need to understand proper hermeneutics, how to properly study. Like I said, one of the first laws in exegesis is to study the text within its context. In hermeneutics, you got to study the text within its context when preaching you need to preach the text within its context okay um this is the thing though we almost always bring our stuff to the text what i mean by that we bring our bias to the text and many of us have different interpretations that's why we see all these different denominations and it can be confusing you got churches that believe in speaking in tongues you got churches that think that that's of the devil you got we we're the ones who believe that that 
You can speak in tongues, just to make that clear. You got different modes of baptisms. You got people who believe you should sprinkle, people you should dunk, people that you should baptize kids, that you should baptize adults, that you can only get baptized once, that you, you, you know, you got to get baptized all kinds of different ways. When he studied church history, this was huge. The Lutherans, who was the first Protestant church who were, who were formed against the Catholics, they were persecuted from the Catholics to turn around to persecute the Anabaptists. Guess for what? Over baptism, because the Anabaptists believed in adult baptism. And some of these crazy Lutherans <clears throat> went all the way to say, I'm going to persecute you. Believe in that? Cool, we're going to drown you. I I'm serious. Read church history. People are afraid to teach church history because they're like, oh, it makes us look bad. It's church history. Let's learn from it. The church is not perfect. I'm pretty sure we believe in, and we're going to get into this in a couple weeks. We believe in one God, three parts. It's called the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Notice the church is not part of the Trinity. We are the bride of Christ. We are not Christ. We are the bride of Christ. We are the body of Christ. We are not the incarnate Christ. We are not perfect. I don't know about you, but I mess up on the daily and definitely on the weekly. I might have a good day if everybody leaves me alone in my room so I could be by myself. I might not sin that day. Maybe. Might. Not guaranteed. It might have happened one, one day in the 365 days this week. One of those days that I felt like I, maybe, right? But none of us are perfect, correct? But we know a God who is perfect and his word. Jesus is the word of God. The word of God is, is, his, is his words. Why would we not want to get into this? And so there's so many different ways of understanding. You got Arminianism and Calvinism and you got, I mean, there's all kinds of things. People take one scripture and they go, they, they, they take it out of context, like snake handling. And you, you know, that doesn't happen as much nowadays, but when Pentecostalism really first gained tracks in, in the early 1900s, and then again, when the charismatic renewal movement, that kind of came back around. It's like, oh, snake handling. As a matter of fact, Doc Johnson, when he was here a couple weeks ago, we walked outside, guess what we saw? We saw a little gardener snake. Yes, we did. I was like, come on, Doc, you want to pick it up? <laughs> he was like, ah. <laughs> I'm like, of course, I'm joking, right? But how? this is how we do. And that's why we have to understand as human beings that we need to learn how to apply proper hermeneutics. We have to get into the word. We have to understand the word. We have to study the word. And then we're able to explain it after we study it, okay? I'm going to preach for just a moment. Not that I haven't already, but just, just for a mo moment, okay? Some people have taken different things to mean that scripture should be only taken literally and they don't consider cultural things that are in the Bible. They don't consider the different types of um, writing that's in the Bible. For instance, when Jesus told people who were dealing with lust, he said, if you deal with lust, you might as well gouge out your eye. Did Jesus literally mean that every man or woman who's ever lusted over something, uh, another person? Or another thing that they should pop out their eye. Did he literally mean that? Or is he, you know, we have to understand that, that we have to apply common sense when interpreting the scriptures. We need to understand the type of scripture that was written. Was it a parable? Was it poetry? Was it history? We have to understand the culture. We have to understand um, what was spoken to the original audience, their culture, how they received it. We understand it in their time and place so we can apply it to our time and place. Understood? That's what we have to do. 
There's so many false teachers out there today that defend themselves with the scripture. But you have to remember that even the devil used the scripture to try to get Jesus to sin. He, he didn't tempt Jesus with like what other, you know, ways maybe that we, we get tempted. But he literally took the word of God and said, for instance, in Matthew chapter 4, he said, if you're the son of God, you've been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. God knows if I had that power, that stone would have been bread. Like, I have a hard time going like six hours. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's actually, there's been times I've fasted that Josh is like, you have more character of Christ when you just eat a little something. <laughs> but Jesus, praise God, Jesus, for Jesus. He looked to that devil and said, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes out from the mouth of God. So how did he, because he took, the devil took scripture and said, the scripture says, right, you could, if you're, you could turn this stone into bread. And he said, well, the scripture also says, that's how we have to know. Matter of fact, Josh and I, that's how our first year of marriage went. He would say, the scripture says, and I would say, and the scripture also says that a man who doesn't love his wife, God won't hear your prayers because they're bouncing off the ceiling. <laughs> it was terrible. I can't, and he, and I, I would say, you're not my Holy Spirit. And he would say, yeah, but the scripture says I'm your high priest. I'm like, oh, he got me there. <laughs> this, is how we, this is how we used to go back and forth until we came into agreement on what we, good doctrine and what the scripture was speaking to us, Right. I'm not saying you should go home and fight with, with your husband about the scriptures. What I am saying is that we have to rightly divide the word of truth. We have to rightly divide the word of truth, okay? So again, the first rule in exegesis is to interpret the text in its context. A lot, a lot of times people don't realize, young people, you probably don't realize this. When you read the Bible, like when you actually open up your physical Bible and you, you're reading it, there's like, there's chapter headings, Right? And not just chapter headings, but sometimes I'll have a, a, a one chapter and then I'll have many headings within that chapter. And you might think that that was, you know, written in there uh, by the original author. No, that was written in there years later by scholars. And so sometimes we miss things because we only read one chapter a day to keep the devil away. <laughs> and we miss what came before that chapter and what came after that chapter. For instance, I, I can think of where it says, um, wives submit to your husbands, which I believe that should, that's so. That's in Ephesians chapter five. But in Ephesians chapter four, the last verse, right before you get to that verse, it says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So I should submit to my husband out of reverence for Christ. And, the, and submission means under mission, just taking the basic word sub, right? Under mission. So for me to submit to my husband, like when we were first married, first started our inner city church in South and Broadway, and he took our grocery money and by faith pledged it to a missionary in front of me without talking to me. I could have made a scene. My eyes probably did because my face definitely always needs to get sanctified. <laughs> fix your face, girl, fix your face. But I didn't let anything come out my mouth. And you may not know this, Megan. But in that season, Megan and Scott blessed us monthly with the same amount that he pledged. I submitted. I didn't throw a fit. I wanted to. I told you all. He said every, every argument we've ever been in has been based around food. <laughs> I wanted to. 
But I'm not going to question this man of God who hears from God and said, I heard from God. We're going to give this by faith and God is going to take care of us. Not even within a couple weeks. Well, actually, I don't know if that was you, but I'm almost positive that was you that was dropping that $100 off at my, because I did my investigation. <laughs> I'm terrible at surprises. Uh, uh, somebody, probably Megan and Scott, were dropping off $100 at my door monthly. The same $100 that I gave him back then, that $100 was like $500. Boy, groceries are now maybe a thousand. Come on, somebody. <laughs> hey! <laughs> Under mission. But there's been times that he has, hurt, he has said, you know what? You're hearing from God right now. And I'm going to align with that. What is that? Under mission. Come on, friends. But we're missing it because we're, we, we read just one chapter a day to keep the devil away. We're missing the context. We're missing what the, the scripture is truly saying. And we got to dig in deep. We have to properly examine the word of God like the Bereans. Like the Bereans. And then we need to properly, number two, exercise or practice the word of God. We need to practice it. As a matter of fact, uh, if we read on in that scripture, uh, what, what we were talking about in Acts with the Brians, the word of God says that in verse 13, it said that they had, that the Thessalonians, I think I said it right, yeah, they had to learn, they learned that the word of God was being preached and practiced in the in Berea, and some of them went there to aggravate and agitate the crowds. They went there to stir up trouble. To properly exercise what we believe, we got to be able to stand against trouble. Hebrews 4.12, I've preached this before, so I'm not going to stay on it long, but i got to preach it again. It's so powerful. Hebrews 4.12 says, The word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, and it penetrates even dividing soul, spirit, joints, and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. That word, double-edged sword, in the Greek, is only mentioned four times in the Bible. It, the, I'm going to spell the word out for you so I don't have to say it. D-I-S-T-O-M-O-S. Any Greeks in here? How, how would you say it, Lydia? Hold on. How would you say it? Dismas. Close enough. Who knows? We're not Greek. Yep. <laughs> but I do know what it means. It means, this is crazy, y'all. It means two, having two mouths. Or two-mouthed with the E-D. Ain't that weird? Can you imagine having two mouths, like one up here? God knows I could not. Can you imagine me with two mouths, y'all? This mouth gives me, I've, I've been praying for 25 years, Lord, set a watch over my mouth if I'm about to sin with it. And I'm telling you, I, I need to like double pray that because it still messes up. But can you imagine having two mouths? But this is what it means. This is so powerful. What it means it, to have what this scripture here, double-edged sword or two mouth in the Greek, it's only mentioned four times. And it's talking about like when in the book of Revelations where it says that Jesus is coming back with a sword that comes out of his mouth. The word of God is our offensive weapon against the enemy. How do we defeat the enemy? The enemy lies to us and says, oh, you're good. You're not good enough. You don't deserve this. You're... You're going to mess up. You're going to, and you, you're hearing those lies. And you know what we usually do? We believe those lies. And then out of our mouth, we say, man, I ain't good enough. I'm going to, I can't do this. Who am I to even think that I can start this business or raise these children? 
make it out the hood one day. <laughs> Who am I to ever believe this? And we're taking the lies of the enemy that he speaks in our ear. We receive it and we speak it out of our mouth. But somebody who believes the word of God and the word of God being the double-edged sword, the sword that's coming literally out of the mouth of Jesus when he comes back for his bride. What that is, is when we take that lie, you're not good enough. And we say back to that lie, like Jesus did in Matthew chapter four. Well, God says, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. God thinks I'm good enough that he sent his son, Jesus, to die on the cross for me. And we start reading that word that's found in his Bible and we put it in our heart. And then we start declaring that word out of our mouth. It first originated in whose mouth? What? The word of God originated in whose mouth? God's. But then we receive it by faith, place it in our heart, and then we speak it out of our mouth. Now it becomes what? Two-mouthed. This is how we fight the enemy. This is what the Bereans had to do when the, when the Thessalonians came after them and started to aggravate and stir up the crowds. They had to believe. They first examined. They studied. But then they had to believe the word of God and speak it. Friends, the enemy wants to come after you and you have got to learn to believe the word of God, receive his word, hide it in your heart until it's the time to speak it out loud, two mouth. That is the authoritative rule of faith and conduct. It's not, it, that is exercising. We had to examine, but then we exercise. How do we ex exercise what we believe? We speak it. We declare it. We live it. We walk by it. Come on, somebody. Can someone get excited? But here in America, we want a little TED Talk. Let's go to church and have a little TED Talk, feel better about ourselves and walk out the door. We don't, friends, we got to want deeper. Expect more. You get what you expect. Come to church saying, God is going to speak to me today. I don't care who's up there talking. I know God's word is going to come out of that place. And God is going to speak to me today. Come with expectation, eagerness, like the Bereans. Come ready and say, you know what? I'm going to receive that. I'm going to go home. I'm going to examine it. Oh, the enemy wants to come after me this week. I'm going to speak his word. I'm going to exercise my faith. Come on. That's the authoritative rule of faith and conduct. Instead, we have a lot of spiritual obesity in America. Feed me. I can't tell you how many people say, oh, the church just isn't. I'm not getting fed anymore. If you think that the one word you're going to get from me once a week, <laughs> let's not lie. Y'all come once a month. Once a month is going to nourish you for an entire month. I'm telling you, you're just as malnourished as the, the kids that are living in the dumpsters spiritually that my brother is talking about. Because you're not feeding yourself. Friends, we got to, we got to start feeding ourselves, receiving, and then exercising. Why is there spiritual obesity? Because we'll, oh, okay, well, I won't go to church here, so I'm going to watch this, this, uh, this famous preacher here and this person here. And you don't even know what their doctrine is. You don't even know what they believe. You don't even know how they live. Do you know if they're faithful to their wife? No, you don't know that. And then you're all heartbroken when they cheat on their wife. Why were you listening to them more than going to your local church? Where if Josh cheated on his wife, we could all start a prison ministry. Come on, somebody. <laughs> all right, no, that's not going to happen because my mom's looking. 
Don't be standing too close to my son-in-law. Thank you, mama. Have my back. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> but it's the truth. We don't prioritize the local church anymore. When you're going through something and you need some advice, please, and I'm not going to drop any names, but you're not going to be able to call up that person that you faithfully listen to every week on your podcast. But you know who you could call up? Pastor Josh, because I'm in school full time, y'all. <laughs> oh, I'm having a good time today. Come on, though. But for real, we got to exercise our faith. We got to exercise our faith. Amen? Amen. I'm, I'm getting all over the place. We're going to wrap it up here. I only made it three points. <laughs> Why are you laughing, Amy? It's only three points, technically. All right, third point here. Proper example. You want to stand on the word of God, you have to be a proper example. Got to live it. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I was just talking about. That add-in point that had nothing to do with in my sermon kind of did. Because we got to, we want to see proper examples. Examples, you know that you may be the only gospel that somebody reads. Because people are reading you. They're checking you out. Oh, you go to church? Oh, you go to that church? Over there in the country, through the woods, past grandma's house? <laughs> you go to that church? How do you live? How do you treat your kids? How do you handle anger? Oh, God, help me. <sighs> Lord, what happens when you feel depressed? You give up and, you know, rage quit? Oh, thank God my husband's my boss. It doesn't count. <laughs> Just <laughs> what? How do you handle? How do you handle hardships in your life? Are, they, are you being refined by them? Or are you allowing them to make you walk away from your foundations? Oh, it's hot in here today. Is it extra hot in here today or is it just me? <sighs> it is hot in here. Proper example, living it out. This last scripture here. This is Timothy, 2 Timothy 2, 15. The NRSV. Do your best to present yourself as to God as one approved by him. A worker who has no need to be ashamed, no need to be ashamed, rightly explaining the word of truth, rightly dividing the word of truth, rightly explaining the word of truth, a worker approved by Christ, no need to be ashamed. Does that mean you're perfect? No, that means Jesus died on the cross and his blood covers our imperfection. Come on, somebody, no need to be ashamed. That means that you're working out your salvation daily. That means you're picking up your cross and you're following him. That means that when you get a spiritual spanking at 44 years old, you say, I apologize. I let my pride get in my way. And you suck it up and you say, I ain't doing that one again. <laughs> Come on. You learn from your mistakes. And you grow and you follow Christ because his word is true. It is our instruction. It is our love letter. It is the, the authoritative rule of faith in Christ Jesus. Character matters. Amen. This series is about doctrine and how doctrine matters. But guess what? 
If you have the best doctrine in the whole world and your character is crap, people ain't going to hear Jesus through your mouth. You might, know, you might know what is the best. You might know how to properly divide the word of truth. You might be the best Bible scholar in here, all the Hebrew, all the Greek. I'm talking if you was in this hermeneutics class, you definitely wouldn't have got a spanking. You would have, oops, I just told you where I got my spanking from. <laughs> you would have, you would have known the right thing to do. <laughs> but guess what? It doesn't matter if you know God only up here. See, the Bereans, they examined the word of God, but they were also eager. It wasn't just head. It was heart. And we need them both. We need them both. We need character. Character with our doctrine. That's what matters. Amen. Why don't you go ahead and close your eyes for a moment? Yes, sir. You sure can. Come up here and give it up here so we can hear it on that. Because we're, we're a church that believes in the body of Christ speaking. So come on. You know, I'm a living testimony right now to what she's preaching about, especially when she's here at the end, when she's wrapping this up. Um, you know, I, I was a missionary to Mexico. I was married at one time, uh, helped oversee ministry over at The Rock as an associate pastor. And some things happened in my life that I ended up getting a divorce and I was ashamed. And I, I didn't turn my back to God. I didn't walk away from him. But I just, my walk, I wasn't walking how I should have been. And, um, and even after that, you know, I'd pop in church here and there and, and just soak myself a little. But I never immersed myself after my divorce. Then I got in a relationship with somebody who... Um, I truly, you know, did love and we were in love. And even that relationship right there wasn't God ordained as the sense to say we knew um, we were in the wrong. But, you know, and so towards the end of that relationship, um, I started praying because there's always been this emptiness in me since I've, I've quit going to church like I used to and being in the word and praying and all that and and I was trying to fill it with all these other things and especially relationship but towards the end I started praying and says God I don't know how to walk away from this and only you only you can do this because I, I love her I loved her right and and I says God I know I can't walk away from this but you got to do what you got to do to allow me and her to go our separate ways and just do it and it happened and and it wasn't easy and it hurt and so and after that um, I started, you know, <laughs> doing things I shouldn't have been doing and trying to kill that pain or whatever. And all the time of that yearning is, you know, me knowing the word of God, having it here and having it there. I had a respect for the Lord, though. I really did. I had a respect for him because I could have been preaching. I could have been talking to people about God night and day and posting it on Facebook and everything. But a part of me is like, no, have that respect, Jacob, because you know your walk isn't right with God. And if you do that, you're going you're gonna to stain the church. They're going to stain his name. And it, it's not going to be good. And um, the other days, well, here's what God's been doing to me. So Tuesday night, my aunt calls me from Puerto Rico. She says, Jacob, how you doing? I'm like, well, I haven't heard this from her in a long time. She says, Jacob, how you doing? You know, this typical answer, I'm doing good. She goes, no, really, how are you doing? I say, you know what? I've, I've been pressing in the Lord lately. I've been reading the word and I'm just asking him, what's next? Where, where's my life headed? What, what are you going to do with me, Lord? 
because I had really been digging deep and praying and saying, God, I need you to show up in my life. Somehow show up my life because I know you're there. I know you hear my prayers and, and I know that you listen to everything I say, but I need you to show up mightily in my life soon because I'm about to break. I'm about to crash. And so my aunt from Puerto Rico called and she started ministering to me saying, you know what, Jacob, you have this calling on your life and, and the reason you are the way you are is because you've been running from it and you just need to get and sing. And then the following day, you know, God has his way of doing things. Uh, Megan messages me, says, hey, she goes, you up for dinner? I was like, sure, why not? Long story short, her and her husband came and they just laid it all out. Now, you want to talk about because I know their walk and I've watched them, I allow them speaking in my life. What you sound about, you can't just let anybody come and prophesy over you and speak into your life without knowing their walk or their And they came and they ministered to me and 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 we spent what I thought would have been just a dinner, a chat, you know. Man, we like well, well three hours and I and I broke. I mean I just broke. And then to top it all off, you know, they, they spoke into my life. Then you got Mr. Daniel who shows up the following day and just starts ministering and speaking in my life. Long story short, I just started pressing in like I mean, seriously these last couple weeks and I've been ministering. I've been speaking into people's lives. I said, you know what? I'm at that place now. I've, I'm finally there and, and God just showed up mightily. I guess what I'm trying to say is though, have that respect for the Lord. Know your walk. Know where you're at. And know where other people's walks are. I kept my mouth shut for years. I'm not keeping my mouth shut anymore. I'm not keeping my mouth shut anymore. I'm, I am allowing God to do his thing in my life. I have that respect again. And I have that, that love and that joy. And I thank God for his mighty servants. All my aunt, Scott, his wife, Mr. Don, the coming interview you guys because through it all and I know you guys Pastor Josh and Joy know my story and they have been so good we have good pastors here we know their walk they have been so good and graceful knowing all the stuff that me and my family have been going through my children and I love you guys and I thank you for that and I'm not keeping my mouth shut anymore I, I'm, I'm and, I th and I thank you for that I thank you Pastor Josh and Joy and everybody so, Yeah, why don't you guys go ahead and stand to your feet. I, I feel a need to um, open up the altars for prayer today. If you have to leave when um, I'm going to pray over everybody, you, you can you can um, quietly get out, you know, not get out, but, you know, scoot on out. But I believe God wants to do something. And, and you know what, Jacob, I want you to stay up here to pray for people. Because one of the things I want to call people up, there are some people in this place today that know that there is some sin in your life. You don't, you don't even need someone to come point out and tell you you're doing this. You know because the Holy Spirit has convicted you. You've been looking at some things that you haven't been looking at, shouldn't be looking at. You've been, you've been acting out in rage. You've been gossiping. You know, you know. And I'm telling you, there's no shame in Christ Jesus, but there is a place that we have to come to, that we have to confess and repent and turn from our sin. We can't stay there. We can't camp out there. He, is, he, he wants to wash you and, clean, and cleanse you. And that's what my brother did. And we had to be patient. 
and, and, and love on him and, and allow the Holy Spirit. But he had, he, there's a calling on your life and it's irrevocable, my friend. It's irrevocable. But I'm telling you, even after you've testified here, boy, just like those Thessalonians that wanted to come up, stir up those Bereans, the enemy's going to come after you. And we got to speak the word of God. We got to speak the word of God over one another. Keep one another accountable. So if you're in this place today and you know you've been messing up um, in some areas in your, your life, would you just go ahead and raise your hand before the Lord? And God knows what that is. God knows what that is. Thank you. 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 There's another a group of people that I believe are in here and God is speaking to you. Now is the time. Like the Bereans, it is time to step up and to take the word of God and to share it with, with other people. If that's you today and you're in that camp, would you just go ahead and raise your hands before the Lord? Raise your hands before the Lord. If you know it's time to get into your word, it's time to go a little deeper, thank you, thank you. Pastor Josh, would you come up too, please? Pastor Josh, if you would come up, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Pastor Josh, Jacob, myself, we're gonna be up here. We wanna pray for you. Um, in a moment, those who raise their hand for prayer, I want you to come on up. We're gonna get some anointing oil. We're gonna pray over every single one of you. Andrew, why don't you come up and help us pray too? Thank you. For the rest of you, I'm going to have Pastor Joshua speak the, the blessing over all of us too, and we're going to pray. You know, there's a, an amazing scripture that, um, that I, I try to remind myself of um, as a man. Um, you know, we're bombarded with sexual imagery and things like that. And, and there's, there's a scripture where, where uh, the man in the Bible said, he said, I've made a covenant with my eyes not to look at a, at a woman lustfully. And so that just that word, like he's making a covenant in that area of sin. And so what I'm, I, I, I want to just challenge uh, as, as we're uh, going to go into prayer, if there is a sin issue in your, in your life, that it seems to be, that is the spot where, where the enemy continually, uh, you know, gets you. I, uh, today as, as you're coming forward to get prayed, or if you're going to stay in your seat, Maybe it would be a good idea to say, Lord, I, I make a covenant with you, God, to resist this thing. And that you say, Lord, this area in my life, I'm, I'm giving it over to you and I'm, I'm committing myself to you and I'm making a covenant. So I just want to encourage you in that. And so may the Lord bless you. If you got to go, friends, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and may he give you peace. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. God bless you. If you got to slip on out, you can do that.